Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. So we're going to continue with uh, our current uh, series on who are the 144,000 that is uh, what we're dealing with and um, I'm convinced that uh, you find it interesting hallelujah so this is part two and so we just take our text from um, Revelation 14 verse number one Actually, we're dealing with 14 verse number 1 to 5. And so he said, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty or four thousand, having the Father's name written in the forehead. Yeah, this is uh, the text we're dealing with, but up to verse 5. So we intend to take every element in this passage and to take a look at them. Um, so, what are the things we're going to be looking at? For instance, when we say lamb, who is the lamb? Last week I tried to make you understand this passage was signified by implication. It was written in symbols. Amen? It was symbolized unto John. And we call that apocalyptic writing. Explain that. So when we look at the lamb, we're going to say who is the lamb? Then we're going to look at what is 144. Why is the number 144,000? Is that okay? We're going to look at all of that. And what does it mean to have the name written on your forehead? And uh, on and on. That's what we're going to be doing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. Um, let me quote this thing from the Jerusalem Bible. A particular translation. There is something I want to bring up there. It said, Next in my vision... I saw my Zion, and standing on it, a lamb, who had with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, all with his name and his father's name written on their forehead. Now, why I have to read this translation is to bring out this fact that the whole of this thing that we're about dealing with is done through vision. And for you to understand vision, you don't interpret it literally. Is that okay? If, if this is a vision, then you must understand that we can't interpret the book in a literal sense. Because it's a vision. Amen? It's like God will ask Jeremiah, what do you say? He said, I see an animal tree. You understand that? Right. That's a vision. Now, Amon tree is not going to be literal Amon tree. It could be speaking of Israel, speaking of Judah. You have to interpret visions to get the mind of the one that found the vision or got the vision. Amen? So, this is a vision. And so, it can be interpreted in a literal sense, like I said. Otherwise, you miss the mind, the intent, and the purposes of who? Of the writer. Praise the Lord. A vision has to be interpreted. That's what I mean. Vision is communicated to us most time in symbols, in figures, what I call figure of speech, if you will. Hallelujah. If you look at the book of Acts, chapter 10, we don't have all the time to read it. But if you look at uh, verse 14, Acts chapter 10, look at verse 14. Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or clean. Now, there's a point. When you read from verse 1 to 34, you find that this was the story. Peter was hungry in Joppa, and uh, he was in the upper room. And while they were preparing the meal, he fell into a trance. And in that trance, two angels also came to him from Colinius. Remember that? Colinius was praying. And God said, no, no, you send uh, this one called Peter, right? Send for him to come, and so on and so forth. 
So while Peter was in this trance, he saw people come to him and getting the invitation. And then there is something he saw in the first place. He saw, he saw a basket descending from heaven. And the basket was tied up in the four quarters. The four edge of the basket were tied up. And as it descended, right inside the basket, remember the Bible said it came from heaven. So right inside the basket, there were reptiles. That's what the Bible says. Is that okay? All kind of reptiles were in there. So he descended and then the voice said, kill and eat. Remember he was angry. So you kill and eat. And that's why he made this reply. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have not eaten anything that is common or unclean. What's in this verse? Verse 15. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not that word common. Now all of these things were speaking of the heart of Colinius. God have accepted Colinius into the faith. And so he was just asking Peter to come and confirm what God had done. But Peter never understood in the first time. And he was thinking, this is reptile. Why was he saying I can't eat anything like that? Because according to the book of Leviticus, it's not all animals that you eat. There are certain creatures that you don't eat. So as a Jew, yes, he will not partake of those things. So he said, no. I mean, I can't eat of these things. And God said, no, all those things you call uncommon, they are not unclean anymore. By implication, they have been received. Now, the whole picture was that God was speaking to Peter that the Gentile nations have not been accepted into the fold as believers. But the mindset of Peter as a Jew, is that okay? Was that, no, these are not accepted. But now God is saying, no, these people are accepted. So the reptile nations, which has now, the reptiles now represented the Gentile nations. Remember, the, the basket was on the four corners were tied. Why is it four? Because four speaks of the number of the world. Four is a universal number. The world was created on the fourth day of the creation week. I've explained to you before, right? On symbols, right? I mean, numbers are symbols. So, number four is because the number of the world, the four uh, quarters of the earth, we talk about uh, the four cardinal points, like you have east, north, west, and south. Is that okay? Right. Now, if you have to drive a vehicle so that you don't fall, if you're using a motorbike, you use your leg to steady, but a vehicle can't stand because it has four tires. Is that okay? Which defies the force of gravity. So, four speaks of the world. So, when you saw the four basket, it speaks of all nations that were not Jews, meaning all Gentile nations, and now to come into the fold. But Peter didn't understand that until he was given the interpretation when he said, the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God had cleansed, thou call now the word common. You can't refer to them in that dimension again because God had accepted them. So, you, this is a vision. What I'm trying to bring out is it. You cannot now say that Peter was dealing with literal reptiles. No. The reptiles he saw, the basket he saw, represented the nation and represent people all over the world who were not Jews, Gentiles. Praise the Lord. Are you there with me? So, what John saw in Revelation 14 was what? A vision. So you can interpret vision in a literal sense. That's what I'm trying to bring out. Praise the living God. So now he said the lamb stood. So who is the lamb in the Bible? Everybody's, oh yeah, okay. John chapter 1 verse 29. John 1 verse 29. Praise the Lord. The next day John saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So where's the Lamb? Jesus. So what John saw in Revelation 14 
was Jesus. But it was represented to him as what? A lamb. Are you following that? Why this is important, what I'm trying to do now is for you to understand that when you come to 144, we are not going to be looking for 144,000 people. That's why the interpretation that only 144,000 is going to be in heaven with Jesus is absolutely flawed. Why? Because these are symbolic numbers. They are not literal numbers. And for those who teach that this number has to do with Jewish people, the Israelites who overcome the tribulation of God is also in error because God is not dealing with literal 144,000. This is symbolic. When we get there, I'll get you to know the meaning of 144,000. If you think Jesus is a lamb and it's not literal, you can agree that it's not literal or referring to Jesus Christ. Is that okay? Right. Why will you come down to 144 and make it a literal number? Then you err. It's the same verse of scripture. If the A part is not literal, why are you making the B part literal? Makes no sense. Amen? Are you see here? John 1 36. John 1 36. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, what? The Lamb of God. Now, I tried to explain to you some time ago, why do you think um, John was only referring, or the scripture referring to him as the Lamb of God? It means we had our lambs before, but this one belongs to God. You know, in the Old Testament, if you sin, you have to come with your own lamb. Is that okay? Right. You are going to come with your own lamb that must be offered on your behalf. Right. So here, we find that the lambs that were being offered, the gold that were being offered, they can't take away the sins of men. And because they can't take away the sins of men, God has to bring his own lamb that can take away the sins of men. The lamb that will without spot or wrinkle. I tried to explain this several times to you. The importance of the fact that Jesus is God who became a man. Is that okay? Somebody asked me a question. Maybe I, I, I'll just touch it for you so that you can understand. Go with me to Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28. It says, Paul speaking to the Ephesians church elders, take it therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you yourself overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with what? His own blood. God's own blood. I want you to get that. Are you with me? Right. His own blood. So what's the meaning of that? Okay. Go with me to 1 Timothy 3 verse 16. 1 Timothy 3 verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested where? In the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believe on the world. Receive of what? Into glory. God was manifested where? In the flesh. So watch this. I told you here some time ago. There are certain laws that only God can fulfill. And one of those laws is an eye for an eye. And a tooth for a tooth. Meaning, the equivalent of the offense you commit must be reciprocated or paid for. So, man has sinned, conscious of the glory of God. For man to be redeemed back, the equivalent of the blood of a man must be shed. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Now, if sin has to be remitted, God cannot remit the sin that man commit. Why? Because the blood of a goat is not the blood or the equivalent of the blood of a man. So, no, no matter how many goats you're going to offer, they can't propitiate for the sins of man. Why? Because it's not the equivalent. 
And there is no other way by which God can get an equivalent blood to be shed. Are you following this? So now, God said, okay, I am going to go down and pay the price myself in the form of a man. So great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh of Jesus. That is why in Acts 20, I mean 2028, that he purchased the church which was his own blood. So when Jesus was conceived in the womb, every child takes the life from the father in terms of the chromosomes, the cells, the chromosomes. Right. So now, Joseph did not donate towards the birth of Jesus. Matthew chapter 1 says, that which is in her is of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit was responsible for the conception. The Holy Spirit is the life of God. So the blood that joined up to this exile in Mary was of God. That's what we are seeing there. Therefore, when Jesus came into the world, he has the life of God in terms of his blood. Remember Leviticus eleven seventeen. The life of the flesh is where? It's in the blood. So the blood of Jesus was the life of God, the blood of God. But his flesh, he took from Mary, not Joseph. Joseph was not responsible. God was responsible. Are you getting that? So now, that is what we see now in Acts 20, 28, that he purchased the church with blood, his own blood. So now, when he got to the cross, the blood that came out of his side was not the normal blood. It was the life of God that was being poured out for the purchase of the church. In other words, he gave the blood to be able to get back the church because as the equivalent of what the church is required to get back. What I mean is, man that fell required the life of a man to be able to get back or the blood, the state, the equivalent. Are you there with me? What God cannot do, the life of God in the Son have to do it. That is why you can't separate the Son from the Father. Neither can you separate the Father from the Son. They are all one, but manifesting in different dispensation. God was all spirit, but for him to carry out this assignment of redemption, he has to become what? A man. An aspect of him was given out to become a man. Praise the living God. Are you still there with me? All right. So, I've just gone through all of this to explain the fact that you don't read Lamb in Revelation chapter 14 and be thinking of a literal animal. No. Because it's a vision. So, what John saw was who? Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Praise God. Are we here? Alright. Okay. Act chapter 8 verse 32. Act 8 32. Again there we say. Uh, go to verse 31. Let me see. 31. And he said, how can I accept? Now, remember, there's a eunuch. And this uh, Philip, the evangelist, right, was reading from the book of Isaiah. And he said, how can I accept some man to guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so he opened not what? His mouth. That's Isaiah 53. You understand that? I'm still trying to say, this is talking about who? Jesus Christ. It's not a literal animal with four legs. But it's talking of a human being, but symbolizing that vision as what? As a lamb. Why is it a lamb? He's speaking of the quality that he carried. Are we okay? Praise the Lord. The nature that he carried. Final scripture on that, um, trying to bring out this fact is First Peter 1, look at 19.20. Okay, let's take it from verse 18. First Peter 1 verse 18. 
For as much as you know that, you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your own vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers. But with what? The precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without, without spot. The precious blood of who? Of Christ. Amen? As of a lamb. That's what I'm trying to say. As of a lamb. Not because it's a lamb, but like a lamb. Praise God. So Jesus is as a lamb, not a lamb. I mean, I just want you to, to get that. So you don't look at Jesus and Revelation 14, I'll be looking at a lamb. No, you're looking at Jesus. It's a person. Praise God. Verse 20. And he says, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested where? In the last times. Amen? So, the blood was the blood of Jesus as of a lamb. So, I saw a man Zion, a lamb standing. What is that supposed to mean? I saw a man Zion, Jesus standing. Praise God. Amen? So the lamb is Jesus. Just get that right. So the next thing is, why is he standing? Go back now to Revelation 14 verse 1. Revelation 14 verse 1. And I look and lo, a lamb stood on my Zion, and with him a hundred and forty or four thousand having his father's name written in their forehead. Why is he standing? That's what we answer us tonight. We want to answer that question. I don't know sometimes when you read the Bible or you read this passage, do you have questions running through your mind at all? You don't just read. Sometimes when you read, you try and meditate. That's what the Bible talks about. Those who meditate upon the word of God day and night. There have to be meditation. So why is Islam standing? Why is Jesus standing in my Zion? Remember, in Hebrews, the Bible tells us that when he finished all the sacrifice in Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of God. Waiting for all he sent him to me, his footstool. So, why is he standing here? He should be sitting. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are we together? He ought to be sitting at the right hand of God. But here in Revelation 14, he's standing. That's what I'm saying. So, why is he standing? Okay. Would you like to know? Yeah, I'm going to give you some answers to that in my meditations. Now, when a royal figure stands up, it's either it's going to be out of anger or out of honor. If you enter, let's just use the Olu Palace now. If you enter the palace, if the Olu stands up, hmm? That's a royal figure. It's a king. You don't expect a king to stand up. Are you there with me? Right. So that's what we're looking at. Remember, Jesus is a king. He's the king of kings. So why is he standing? So I'm going to give you reasons why a royal person can stand. And then you'll be able to figure out why Jesus is standing. So if you enter the palace now, you're not going to see the Olua for he's standing up. He's seated. Is that Okay. But if his death stands up, there could be one or two reasons. There are reasons I'm going to give. Look up with me, Isaiah 3. We may not be able to read all of that, but Isaiah 3, if you look at 8 to 15, you see the picture that God rose up or stood up. Yeah, you say, for Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is failed. Because your tongue and your doings against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. So if you go down the story up to verse 15, you find our God arose. When he say arose, means he stood up. Why was he standing? To judge Israel because of their wickedness. So when a king gets up from the throne, it's going to be with anger. To make pronouncements. Amen? Praise the Lord. Go with me to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 3. And verse 4 to 10. 
And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he had cried and said, Yet forty days, and then he shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. Did you get that? He stood up from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered himself with raw sackcloth and what and with arches. This is simply an honor. So the proclamation to God because of the preaching of Jonah. Did you get it? He gave honor to God by standing from his throne. I want to make you, I'm trying to make you understand what it means to stand. Why is the lamb standing? So, a royal person can either stand because of anger or he can stand because of honor. Praise the Lord. Second Kings chapter 23, 1 to 3. Second Kings 23, 1 to 3. And the king sent and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the word of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. The next verse says, And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandment and his testimonies and his status with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of their covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood together to do what? To receive the covenant. So here again we'll find that they stood because they have to honor God. Even the king himself stood up because they wanted to read the laws, they wanted to give the covenant. So in place of honoring God, what did they do? They stood up. The people that received the covenant stood up instead of sitting down. So it's an honor. So sometimes when maybe you want to do certain things, as they stand up, let's stand up. It is an honor to God. When you stand in church, you are honoring God. You must understand the principle. Yeah, they wanted to read the word and they stood up. So it's an honor to receive the word by standing. Did you get that? So the king stood up and the people also stood up. Now, don't forget. Help me now. When we get there, you're going to see that. You find that Revelation 14, the lamb stood up and the 144,000 also stood up. Just like this king is standing and the people to receive the covenant did what? They also stood up. So get the point. Hallelujah. Are we still here? Okay, very interesting one is Acts chapter 7. We may not be able to read all of that, but you can read it from verse 1 to 53. This is when Stephen uh, was being stoned to death. In this passage, we find that Stephen cried out. You can just write it down. Acts 7, 1 to 53. Stephen stood, I mean, when he was being stoned, the Bible says he looked up and he saw Jesus standing. I mean, if you understand that. Hey, did you, have you read it before? Yes. He looked up, he saw Jesus standing. He, Jesus was supposed to be sitting down. So why was he standing? By the way, killing Stephen. Praise God. He was the first martyr, the first Christian to be killed. Now, let me give you some reasons why he stood there. Go with me to Mark chapter 14, 53 to 59. Why was Jesus standing when Stephen was being stoned to death? Mark 14, 50, 56. Mark 14, 56. Okay. For many bore false witness against him, but our weakness are great not together. That's talking about Jesus now. What's the next thing? 
And there arose certain and bare false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands and without, within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did other witness or do what agree together. Very good. Read another scripture and then I will explain. Matthew 10, 32, 33. Matthew 10, 32, 33. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men. Follow this. Him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Well, the next thing. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. So pull these two pictures together. This is what you find. When you go to court, when you go to court, the witness must stand on the witness box. Are you with me? Good. If you are to be called upon to my great testimony, or to say something about the other person, you have to stand where? In the witness box. So now Jesus was standing as a witness for Stephen before God. Here in Matthew 10, Stephen tells the story or his life side. He never denied Jesus. So now God is standing, I mean, Jesus is standing to testify that Stephen is actually what? A true disciple. He will never deny God. So in this context, you find that Jesus was standing as what? As a witness. Do you understand that? He said, if you deny me, I'll deny you, but if you, you receive me also, I will not deny you before who? Before the Father. So here, he was standing to say, hey God, this man is a real believer. This man is a true disciple. This man never deny you. I can testify of that. So he was standing now on the witness board before God to proclaim that Stephen was actually a true disciple. So get a meaning. A royal person can stand out of anger. A royal person can stand out of honor. Are you done with me? A royal person can stand as a witness. So with this three facts, we cannot begin to understand why Jesus was standing in Revelation 14. Are you there with me? So when we get down to Revelation 14, we find that he was standing in honor of the redeemed in the midst of those who have received the mark of the Father and his name in their foreheads. Just like he was standing in the midst of the seven candlesticks in Revelation chapter 1 and 2. Are we here? Are you following me? Go back now to Revelation 14. This I know will wake so many of you up because you just read Revelation, you don't think anything about it. And I look and lo, a lamb stood among Zion. And with him, and one hundred forty and four thousand, having the fathers and reaching their forehead, these ones have received a new identity. A name. We're going to explain that further. A name is a nature. It's a character. It's an identity. A name is not just Josiah, Joseph, whatever. No, no, no. For the Hebrew person, a name speaks of an identity or character. Is that okay? Are you with me? So here we find that these people have been redeemed and they have the name of their father written where? In their forehead. So it's now standing in their midst to honor them, to bear witness, to make declaration. These ones have been redeemed from the earth and they have the nature of God right now in their midst. I can identify with them. Just already in 2 Kings, we find that the king stood up and the people stood up. All of them entering into the covenant. Are you following that? We read that just in Second Chronicles. Right. The same thing follows now. So he's standing, and those who have been redeemed are also standing. They are now entering into a covenant relationship as well. Why are they doing that? They are in Mount Zion. 
It's a new covenant, a new order, a new principle, a new way of life. They have received the mark, the name of the Father where in their forehead. Now, you have to understand that. When you receive the name of God in your forehead, what you're actually saying is, you receive the mind of God in your mind. Same thing scripture will say, let this mind be you, which was also where? In Christ Jesus. So we're talking about coming to a place where you begin to think as God thinks, you walk as God walks, because his mind is what is not controlling you, not your mind. You receive the Holy Spirit, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, after see all this, to point out this fact that these are not talking of just some 144 literal Jewish people. We're talking of those who are redeemed out of the earth and they are Mount Zion. Mount Zion is not a physical location as we're going to see as we progress in this. Praise the living God. These ones, they have received the mind, the nature of God, the mind of God. Guess what? Revelation 13, for instance. Look at verse 8. Revelation 13, verse 8. Bible says, and all that dwell on the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of the Lamb of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. He was slain in the midst of a beastly system. But now he's standing up. Let me explain. Through the work of Adam and Eve in the garden, man was slain. Or, I will say, the life of God, the man, was slain. Is that okay? Hey, are we together here? <laughs> I know this is a little bit hard, but you'll get it. Hmm? All right. Now, if you watch that, Okay, let me just even bring it back. Colossians 3. Go with me to Colossians 3. 3 and 4. Let me explain that to you. Let me use that to explain this Revelation 3 verse 8. Colossians 3, 3 and 4. For ye are dead and your life is hid in Christ in God. Watch that. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you appear within what? In glory. So what's the meaning of that? The life of Christ we had in Adam was killed by the beast which is the Adamic life in Revelation 13, we were dead. A different spirit was controlling our life. So you can say the life of Christ was slain, was lying down. But when you come down to what we just read, after redemption, after you received Christ, that spirit that was dead in you arose again. It woke up. So the spirit that was slain in Revelation 13 is now standing up in your life again. Praise the living God. Come on, are you following what I'm saying now? Good. Before you were born again, another spirit was controlling you. The Christ spirit was dead, in quote. It was latent, it was not functional, it was not active, if at all you had it. But once you are born again, there's revival in your spirit. So your real life, which is the spirit of God, did what? Stood up. So while it was slain in your midst because of the earthly nature, all of those things, now the spirit is doing what? Is standing up. Praise the living God. Amen? So like I said before, the slaying of this lamb has to do with when in Genesis 3, the beast, which has to do with the devil, Satan, corrupted the very life of Adam by the suggestion that she brought, I mean he brought to, to the woman. Amen? And so the life of God was slain. The Lamb of God that was supposed to be outstanding in our lives to direct us, to lead us, was slain. But right now, by reason of the redemption, because remember, Revelation 14 we're dealing with now, is talking about people who have been redeemed from the world, 
Therefore, once they came out of the world, they came out of the business system, the controlling factor of the world is no longer controlling them. A new spirit is not controlling them. So you cannot say a new spirit is standing up in their life. So the lamb that was slain is now standing up again in Mount Zion. And with him, 144,000. Praise the living God. Are we still here? All right. So let's make progress a little bit. And I'll show you something. When you were dead, okay, let me quickly look at this uh, thing that will help you a little bit. Psalm 51, verse number 5. Am I right? If that's what I'm looking for. 51, verse number 5, let me see. Behold, I was shaping where? In iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, I want you to look at it. Well, you can just read this without taking a closer look. You won't see anything there. It didn't say sins. It says sin. Did you notice that? Okay. J John chapter 1 verse 29. John 1 29. The next day, John said, Jesus coming unto him and said, The Lamb of God could take it away what? The sin of the world. It didn't say sins. Did you get that? David crying out, say, in sin, singular, did my mother conceive me. So, what is this sin? <laughs> Praise the living God. Come on, are you following that? David in John, I mean, in, 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 in Psalm 51, verse 5, he's not saying my mother was a prostitute. He's not saying that. But he's saying that factor of sin that killed everybody right from Adam was also in my mother. And when my mother conceived me, he passed that same power into my life. So that sin continues to walk from generation to generation until Jesus came and he put a stop to it. Do you understand this now? So that's what you can go back. Yeah, Psalm 50. 51 verse 5. Look at that. Behold, I was shaping iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. If, for instance, a woman has uh, HIV, if she brings forth a baby and she's pregnant, what I mean, if she delivers baby, perhaps it's possible that the child will also have what? HIV. Is that okay? So what happened? The child did not commit any offense. The child did not meet with anybody that had HIV. But because the mother had that in her blood, the mother is going to pass it on unto what? Unto the child. So David is saying here, there is something that was in my mother. Not that because my mother was a prostitute. Is anybody understanding? There was something in the life of my mother that the grandfather, great-grandfather from Adam passed on unto her. And my mother also passed that on to me because I'm a human being. So John is saying in John 1, 29, this is the Lamb of God that's going to take away that factor. Hallelujah. From every human being that is born where? Into the world. So you can begin to read in 1 Corinthians 15 what the Bible says, as in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be what? Made alive. Very good. The death factor was introduced in Genesis 3. Everybody had it. And so when we come to the place of redemption, come to my Zion, what's going on? That death factor was removed by reason of who? Of Christ. And once the death factor was removed, we all stood up from the realm of death. Even the life of Christ that was dead in us did what? Stood up again. So he was standing now with 144,000 where? In my Zion. Is it making sense? Okay, let me show you how that little thing worked. Mark, um, Mark chapter 7, verse 21. Mark 7, verse 21. Okay, look at it. From within, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed what? Evil thought, adultery, fornication, murder. Just keep on reading. All right? Theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, 
an evil eye, blaspheming, pride, and what? Foolishness. Now, I want you to, the verse 21 is a key point. From out of the heart of men proceed what? Evil thought. The heart, now how many of you understand it? This is one heart, many men. It is at the heart of men. Simple construction of English, I believe, ought to be hearts of men because the men are plural, the heart ought to be plural. Am I correct? Huh? I think that's the way it ought to be. So why is it written one heart, how many men? Did you see that there? Because it's one particular factor walking through all men. And that one heart is what we got from Adam in Genesis 3. Praise the living God. So out of this one heart, all this sin begin to come to be. No, so now what's the next thing? Oh, help me God. Galatians 5 now. Go to Galatians 5. Let's look at uh, verse 19. Let me see. Praise the Lord. Now the works of the flesh, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they who do such things shall not inherit what? The kingdom of God. The works of the flesh. The works that come from that single heart. The heart of all men. This is something that everybody is involved in. This is something that everybody unwillingly participates in. You don't practice to be a murderer. You don't practice to be a gossiper. It's just a nature. You don't practice to be covetous. You don't practice to be a liar. It's just a nature. Everything is coming from that one heart of Mark 7, 21. I don't know if you're getting that. So that one heart is what refers to here as the works of the flesh. Get it right. Nobody practice stealing. What I mean is, you don't necessarily have to go to a school to study how to be a thief before you can be a thief. Amen? You don't study hatred to hate people. So where is it coming from? The heart of men. Are you there with me? You don't study to be covetous. You just get yourself into that place where you like to have. You just like to possess. You just like to, I mean, everything that looks good, you want to own it. And when you don't have, you feel bad. Where is that thought coming from? The heart of man. One heart. Are you with me? Okay. Go to the next verse now. Look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and what? And faith. Or the next thing? Meekness, temperance, against sword, just what? There's no law. So, you see, 19 to 22 is the old man. 22 to 23 is what? The new man. 19 to 22, Jesus is slain. 22 to 23, Jesus is what? Standing up. Not just up. Is it making sense? Good. Once you are and the one heart syndrome, which has to do with the sin of the world, you manifest 19 to 21. But once you receive Christ, be redeemed from this world, you receive another heart, which is the heart of flesh, not the heart of stones. And what's the next thing that happened? All of the fruit of the Spirit will begin to manifest where? In your life. Christ is standing up. 
in the most of Zion. So, you can check your stuff, like we read in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, examine yourself whether you beware in the faith. You can know if you're truly having Christ standing up in your life or he's still lying down. You can know. Because don't forget, Mount Zion speaks of the church. As we're going to find out much later in Hebrews chapter 12. Praise the Lord. Am I still making sense to you? All right. So we find that the, the number, no matter the number of sacrifices that you're going to make, that anybody can offer, there is nothing that you can do that can touch your conscience. Nothing except for what? The life of God. Praise the living God. Amen? So, when you get down to Romans chapter 7, you remember the struggle. Paul said, the good I want to do, I could not do. This I want to do. The things I don't want to do, that's what I do. Then if I'm doing the things that I'm not supposed to do, then it's not me that is doing them. It's another law that's working where? In my members. What is that law? The one heart. But again, it has to do with the law of sin and death, which has to do with the law of Moses. So you need to understand that. Praise the living God. Are we here? All right. So, go with me to Philippians 4. What time is up for tonight? Let's look at verse 13. I'll just show you something there. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who does what? Strengthens me. What he's trying to say is, I have ability to overcome all of the works of the flesh. I have the ability. I can choose not to. I gave you a simple illustration here the other time. One of my uncles, he used to be a very good, he said, was a chain smoker. You know, he put the pack of cigarettes, chain smoking. This one is finished. He lights another one. He used the one that is the stop to light the second one. Chain smoking. So one day he just said to himself, I'm not going to smoke anymore. I'm not going to smoke anymore. So, in the morning light, he just came out of his house, sat in the front of his house, Asked the son, go and buy me granuts. So the bought granuts. And he sat down. So he was breaking the granite by himself. Now the urge of smoking begins to come. He will break the granite and put it in his mouth. Put it in his mouth. Just like that. The peanuts. He was doing that. And then he spoke to himself. Cigarettes. Take me from here now to go and buy it. Let me see. No power could move him to go and buy the cigarettes. And he was not ready to send anybody. That's how he stopped smoking. I can do all things through Christ. I don't want strengthen me. You can if you want to stop it. There's no devil that can force you to do anything. Don't lie to me. The devil made you. No. I can do all things. That's what he says. Galatians 19 to 21 is dead if you can walk by the Spirit. You never received him for nothing. Listen to me. This man is standing up right where? Where? In your life right now. So, there is no spirit you are possessing right now that you cannot overcome if you want to. Some people want to look deliverance. Listen, when it comes to the work of the flesh, you're wasting your time. You only need Christ to overcome any of those things. You can do all your deliverance. You deliver today, tomorrow. How many spirits? Okay, go back and look at them. Go back and look at those spirits. From 19, chapter, I mean, verse 19, up to 21. Calculate how many spirits and how many deliverances you're going to be conducting. How many, I mean, oh God. How did those spirits get into your life? Through one activity. And what was that activity? Listening to the voice of the communicator. All of those he entered your life when Adam listened to what the devil said. There was nothing that Adam didn't practice him to become perfect in none of those things that were counting. They only listened. Oh, come on. Oh, no. I don't know. Is anybody catching this? John 6, 63, for instance. Everything that you went through entered into your life by listening. You heard somebody and the life was communicated into your life. And you started manifesting Galatians 19 to 21. There was nothing. 
It's the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profited nothing. Listen to this. The words that I speak unto you, they are what? Spirit and their life. That's all. So if the enemy spoke words and you died, if you can hear him speak words, you will live. Do you understand that? What is it going to take to reverse what the enemy did? The words. Because you died hearing. Therefore, you have to live hearing. Oh, no, 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 no. Can you catch what I'm saying? You died listening to somebody. You got to hear and live. So, all of those religious things that we are doing, how did man get to die? He died listening. You die hearing. Wrong spirit. How are you going to live? You got to be alive hearing the right words. Hallelujah. You don't need any acrobatic display. You don't need any, anything. All of those religious. You don't need them. Because number one, you never got into all of that because of any ceremony. Therefore, you can come out of it by any ceremony. You died hearing. Therefore, you got to live doing what? Hearing. Praise God. So the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They bring transformation. So when you begin to hear Christ, the Christ in you will begin to do what? Stand up again. So I say the lamb stand on where? Man Zion. And with him, 144,000, having their father's nature written where? In their mind. Let his mind be you, which are also where? In Christ Jesus. Friends, can I tell you something? Jesus is standing up again in your life. Hallelujah. Nothing. Anytime you feel tempted, anytime you feel, remember this man is standing up. Play some music, read the Bible, listen to what he got to say, listen to good messages. He will continuously be standing up in your life. And the next thing you do is you begin to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 20 to 23. Nobody's going to teach you to do that because nobody taught you to be a thief. Nobody taught you to be anything you went before. So nobody's going to teach you to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We need to plant the word in your life. And when the word takes root in your spirit, when it begins to grow to become a tree, naturally you're going to be bearing the fruit that's required, which is the love, the primary one. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Friends, this is what we got. So when we say Jesus is standing up in Mount Zion, understand what we're saying. The life that was killed by reason of the Adamic life is now standing up. That singular sin that was responsible for all of those problems in your life, he came and took it away. The Lamb of God that take it away. Hallelujah. The sin of the world, not the sins of the world. The sin, that singular factor that's responsible for your stealing, your modern spirit, your covetousness. One spirit is responsible. Jesus came to take that factor away. Hallelujah. And David, when you read that Psalm 51 down, he was crying unto God when he said, God help me. He was looking forward to when Jesus would come to take away that singular factor. In sin did my mother conceive me. But I believe a change is coming. He was looking forward. He was looking ahead. At the time Jesus would come to take away that factor, that factor that's controlling men, that factor that's dealing with everybody, that factor that's kept every man where they are. But you as a believer, that factor is being removed. He came to take away. Hallelujah. And if he takes it away, he has taken it away. You don't have it anymore. Praise the living God. He didn't just take away and leave you empty. He took it away and gave you another spirit. He replaced that spirit with his own life. He came to give his life to you, what? As a ransom. How I many of you understand what I'm saying? He gave us his life. He impacted his life to us. So we have his life. Now his life is standing up in man's iron. And no man can bring him down anymore. It's once and for all. Hallelujah. I say Hallelujah. So if he's standing up in Mount Zion, it's to honor us, it's to share the covenant relationship with us, it's to come to the place where we begin to share fellowship together with him, that his spirit that was once lying down because of the factor of the sin, sin factor, the one heart in many men is now standing up because he came to take it away. 
and he has taken it away and he's not giving it back to you. He took it away and no man can give it back to you. What am I saying? You got a new life. Right now, your personality is being defined from Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 to 23. That is where you belong. That is where your life has been defined from. That is what is a measurement, the measurement of your true life. If you want to measure who you are as a child of God, Galatians 5, 22, 23 is the best measurement you can have. If you can have that, then you have the quality of the lamb. Because the lamb is standing, then of course you have to have the lamb quality. Remember, the lamb opening out what? His mouth. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.